1: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Breaking Battlegrounds with your host, Sam Stone. My co-host, Chuck Warren, uh, had an unfortunate uh, death of a a family friend and is not able to join us in the studio today. Uh, Kylie Kipper, the irrepressible Kylie Kipper, heading with him uh, to Utah. So now, against her will, I have dragged Jamie Kleshek back onto the mic. Thank you, Jamie.
0: Oh, always, Sam.
1: And we have a fantastic interview to open with today. Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona, uh, who is, frankly, one of the people I respect the most in Congress. He came out of the the Tea Party movement originally, part of the House Freedom Caucus. He is a fighter for conservative values, unlike many others in this country. Uh, He has really served the people of Arizona well. Congressman Biggs, welcome to the program.
2: Thank you, Sam. Uh, thanks, Jamie. And condolences, Chuck.
1: Yeah, Congressman, so I, I almost don't even know where to begin because we have seen, as it's, unfortunately, frequently, the last 48 hours have seen some pretty astounding things once again. And this president appears to be totally out of control. W- what is going on there in Washington?
2: Well, I, I think that what we saw last night in that that speech that demagogic speech was actually pretty consistent with with the way uh biden and the democrats have governed or or ruled is probably a more accurate phrase um i mean to basically come out and demagogue half the the populace half the electorate was was astonishing but it's but but i'm thinking of his uh spokesperson Jean-Pierre who had said that you're an extremist if you don't agree with them and that's that's totalitarianism that's that's authoritarianism and i that's what i've seen happening here in washington dc since biden came to uh to
1: power. Well, you're absolutely right. That's exactly what it is. And, and I got to say, Congressman, I never growing up in this country through the, the late 70s, the 80s, into the 90s, I never imagined we could get to a place where we have one party and they, they couch it and they, they try to couch it in polite terms. But the fact of the matter is they are doing everything they can to institute total totalitarian control over every aspect of the lives of Americans. They want to control everything from the kind of vehicles we drive to how we can set our thermostat to what thoughts we can have in our head. Hey, how, is, how has yeah. this come about?
2: Well, the infrastructure was there for, for kind of a Marxian authoritarianism, um, uh, but it just kind of coalesced. My, my own theory on this is that um, uh, we were slowly moving down this path. The infrastructure had been laid and foundation laid we were moving toward that on the path but it was it was in fits and starts and uh and fairly slowly but i think when donald trump was une- unexpectedly elected president in 2016 that he proved to be a disruption uh to their intentions when i say there i'm talking about the left's intentions you know yes. everything from taking over the institutions uh and and then uh in 2020, uh, they insisted that they get it back, and when they got it back, they are, have put pedal to the metal. So that in 18 months, you've seen every every right uh, uh, acknowledged in the Bill of Rights has been under attack, um, as well as our e- economic freedom, and then our prestige in the world has been undermined by this this administration. Yeah. All of that has happened in 18 months.
1: It's really unbelievable, and and I agree that the roots of this go back much further. I've actually said, and, and you know, tell me if you think I'm I'm right or wrong about this, but I actually attribute a lot of this going back to 2012 and President Obama's re-election campaign when he was campaigning on the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, really unpopular bill. And deliberately divided the country and brought forward, really dragged out of the dark recesses of academia, this critical theory based policy or politics and tore this country apart. And I think we are still being torn apart by what began at that moment.
2: Uh, I would agree with with you. I think he he, uh, took some gasoline, put it on a slow burning fire uh with the division that he caused um you know the, the critical theory which goes back I, I mean i actually studied that in my graduate school days uh but it was considered fringe it was it was out there it was fringe um,
1: academia no one i mean people didn't really take it seriously it was the kind of thing you could find in in master's degree and, and higher level courses um, exactly but, but people did not yeah. take this seriously as a governing philosophy.
2: No, it, it, that's exactly right. I mean, it was, it was the people who were propounding that were the deconstructionists and, and uh, you know, uh, those types of folks that were kind of in the, the academic uh, uh, salons, if you will, at the universities. Where they would sit around and kind of propose these kind of outlandish ideas, which they continue to do today. But then they they started moving it to the the indoctrination type of of, uh, of uh, so part of the syllabus, you know, mm-hmm. uh, for for grad students, and then it filters on out. Uh, I I, w- I remember reading studying some of that stuff, reading some of that stuff, and you say, well, you know, that's really uh, asinine. I mean, yeah, right. it really is, <laughs> you know. But 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 somehow now it's got hold, and so so we're seeing it in schools. It's, it's infiltrated. Uh, From K through 12 to post-secondary ed and and
1: uh, yeah, there are basically got that. There are basically three major textbook manufacturers in the country who manufacture almost all of the textbooks for all our K 12 students, and their textbooks, all of them, use as a a central basis this you know variations on critical theory when talking about history, when talking about economy, when talking about the institutions of the United States, and. Even the founders, for instance, of the 1619 project have admitted it's not factual history; it's propaganda.
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, and it leads to the goofy stuff like the 1619 project. Ultimately, yeah, where you where you where you attempt to rewrite history. It's really it's really uh, you, you look at it and you say, well, George Orwell um, was right in so many ways, where you, you're taking uh, history and you're. You're throwing it down the uh, shooting into the shredder and rewriting history uh, constantly uh, as, as if, you know, we were, we were at war with one uh, country and now they're our allies and now we're at uh, war with a different country. It's as if we never were at war. I mean, those types of things that Orwell, uh, you know, fictionalized about, uh, they, they've become true in some ways that where you have Jean-Pierre uh, representing Biden coming on and saying things like, you know what? It doesn't happen that way. People don't simply walk across the border. It just doesn't happen that way. <laughs> well, 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 yeah, it does. I've been down there. I, I, that's why I wrote her a letter. I said, "Come on down. I'll show you the border." It, it
1: happened. It happens by the thousands, the tens of thousands every day, by the millions every year.
2: I, she is, she is loony. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, the best place to go to see it is the is the Rio Grande Valley. Uh, in La Jolla down there. That's going to give us – if you don't like that, we could go over to Eagle Pass in Del Rio. If you don't like that, we could go to Yuma. It was 100 – you know, Sam, uh, it was 116 degrees uh, three days ago, and I had my – I had taken some congressmen down to the border, and I said, oh, my goodness, it's 116. Nobody's – we won't see anybody cross. What do we see? There, 100, at 116 degrees in Yuma, Arizona, three Russians, a family of Russians, are, are across the border surrender. And then they're apprehended. And by the way, they're probably relocated already somewhere uh, at our expense. So that happens every day. And yes, Ms. Jean-Pierre, they literally do walk across the border every day. Yeah, I
1: particularly loved Lori Lightfoot coming out and saying it's racism to send some of these border crossers to the sanctuary city she created. Like...
2: (laughs) I love that, too. I said to myself, listen to yourself talk. You are the racist. You're saying, you know what? Uh, she's basically xenophobic. Yeah. She doesn't want these, these people in her her community. Well, nobody's forcing them to even go to that community. First of all, they illegally enter the country, and Abbott can't force them on the bus. He can't forcibly uh, take them. He's got to wait until the, they've been processed through through uh, uh, customs, and then and then he's going to take them where they want to go. And, uh, you know, he's inviting them. Do you want to go to Chicago? Do you want to go to Capitol Hill? Do you want to go to New York City? Um, it, and she she gets them flown there all the time, every day. I guarantee you, every day there are individuals who cross the border illegally that are being flown into Chicago already, more than the bus that that Abbott sent up there. You know, talk talk about a xenophobic racist. Uh, And hypocrite. Uh, You know, that's that's a Mayor Lightfoot. Absolutely.
1: Oh, yeah. Mayor Lightfoot, Mayor Bowser, Mayor Adams. I mean, they are all doing the same thing. New York, Washington and Chicago and all these other cities. This is hypocrisy of the highest level. But but not only that, I mean, these are the folks that created the idea and built these sanctuary cities. This is, this is what baffles me. It's like, weren't you inviting these folks here? Didn't Aren't you the ones that told us to send them to you? And then when it actually happens, oh, no, we
2: don't want that. That's racist. I- <laughs> yeah. Well, think about this, Sam. Uh, the, the hypocrisy of it is, and this is what I find really beautiful, is uh, the people who are shooting up her city every day, um, she's releasing back into the streets to be a danger to the community. Yeah. Uh, and so so if these people were to come up and be arrested for shooting somebody, they're going she's OK with that because they're going to go through the, the city and then uh, out they go well, well, uh, so, back into the city.
1: So, Congressman, that brings up a question. Do these migrants know what they're getting into going to these blue cities? Because, I mean, New York is a crime ridden mess. Washington, D.C. is a crime ridden mess. Chicago is a murder capital. Um with with actual murder rates in parts of Chicago that are higher than in the developing world anywhere, do they know what they're getting into? I mean, I do they I think they I think their vision of America is twenty years old.
2: Yeah. I think that I think they don't know. I think that if they did, they would say, um we we need to go somewhere else. We need to let's go to uh, uh, someplace that actually enforces the law. But then, of course, they broke the law themselves. So
1: Yeah, it's, it's um, a catch-22, right? They can come to the red states, but then, you know, we actually do enforce the law and believe in law and order. Or they can go to the blue states and risk getting stabbed on the street by a deranged homeless person. Uh, you know, I don't know. I think probably the best solution would have been to stay home and apply to come to America legally. That's just me. We're going to be coming back in just a moment with more from Congressman Andy Biggs on Breaking Battlegrounds. Please stay tuned on that. And, folks, if you're not, download our podcast. Uh, You get a little extra segment every week. Breaking Battlegrounds coming back in just a moment. Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds with your host, Sam Stone. Chuck Warren out of studio today in studio and against her will as always. Jamie Klesiak on the line with us, Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona. Congressman Biggs, when we went to the break, we were talking the border. There was a photo that came up recently that has some some sort of scary implications. I, I don't think most Americans really understand what's going on. The Border Patrol detained three gentlemen, and I say gentlemen... Well yeah, you know, they're you know, cartel members wearing ghillie suits. For people who don't know, ghillie suits are the camouflage suits worn by snipers on the battlefield. And these guys are coming across. These are not migrants, are they, Congressman?
2: No, uh, no way are they migrants. They were doing something nefarious and had something nefarious planned. We're not sure what what yet, um as they try to uh, boil that down and investigate that. But but here's the way to think about that. Um, you have every day uh, thousands of people coming across that we don't catch. Um, most of them, by the way, are in the Tucson sector uh, coming up uh, be- between Tucson and, and uh, NACO and Douglas. And they're coming on up in camouflage. And they will be transporting drugs. Uh, they may be uh, what we call uh, 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 from countries of interest like uh, the Middle East, uh, they they may be these these three here, uh, and I haven't heard whether this is true or not, but uh, they may have been on the terrorist watch list, which we have uh, caught literally five times as many people on the terrorist watch list this year as we have ever caught in a whole year before, and wow. uh, so. These people are a, a real danger. And, I, you know, Sam, I have to say this, too, because I don't think people understand this. When we start talking about the uh, nearly million people who have gotten away, both known and unknown, since the Biden administration has come come to power, uh, we have no idea why they're here, where they're going, and uh, uh, whether their intention is peaceful or malevolent. But I can tell you this much even of the people that we check backgrounds. And by the way, as we release millions of people in the country every year, we do check the backgrounds, but we only have background checks from the U.S. So if you have somebody who has committed a murder, let's say in um, Central America somewhere, we won't know that. We won't know that. If there's uh, a sex predator or anything like that, we won't know that because we don't, have access to the, to records and many countries don't keep records nearly, uh, as assiduously as we do. The result is we are letting millions of people in this country that we have no idea who they are. We don't know what they're going to do. We don't know what their background is. We don't know whether they're their, their friend or foe. And, uh, I, I just frankly, and so, uh, frustrated with trying to get the administration to do something. But it's, it's a danger, real danger to us.
1: It's very clear they have absolutely no intention of taking effective action because Donald Trump had taken effective action and they overturned everything he was doing that was working. I mean, yeah, that, that's what gets me, I think, Congressman, about our modern politics is we used to at least be able to say, hey, if one side did something, even if we didn't like it initially, but it actually worked. Then we could all agree that that was worth continuing. And I think having a secure border and knowing who's coming to this country is worth having. And yet, Donald Trump, against what everyone said was possible, actually did make significant strides on addressing illegal immigration. And the Biden administration came in day one and threw it out.
2: Yeah. I mean, think about this. Uh, in the entire year of 2020, using Trump's policies, Yuma sector. The 124 27 miles, I guess it is, uh, of linear border, and it's a huge section. Only had 9,000 encounters, less actually less than 9,000. Wow! Wow! And this year, this year 340,000.
1: Oh Think my goodness! Uh, I did not know that number, and that is astounding. And you know, one of the things I really get frustrated with, Congressman. Is people saying, "Oh, we have an obligation to allow people to come here." I think that's true to an extent that we have always been open and welcoming to legal immigration. We allow a lot of legal immigration, don't we?
2: We we allow more legal immigration than all of the other world uh, nations in the world combined. So uh, we will we will naturalize probably six to 800,000 people a year as new U.S. citizens. We will allow over a million people every year additionally to come in um, and get green cards. We will allow student visas. We allow more people per year to come and legally work and become part of the fabric of America than any place in the world. In fact, all countries combined. And yet on top of that, um, the left wants us to allow in uh, you know, millions more who won't even bother to come through the legal port of entry. They come, they come between the ports of entry, and they don't stop. And then they all can claim that they have, want asylum. Everybody, even those Russians I was talking about earlier, they wanted asylum. And ninety-three percent of all asylum claims are bogus. Mm-hmm. And right now, it's an eighty-five month backlog to to get your adjudication, to get to your court hearing. And by then, we've let them into the country. We've let them work and we don't know who, we don't know where they are. We can't find them. And this administration says, okay, we're not even going to look for them. That's the point. They won't even look for them. And through the million two, 1.2 million people who have already had due process and told and been given a removal order, this administration has said to ICE, you will not look for those people and you will not remove them. These are people, by the way, Sam who have already gone through the entire due process, and, a, and a, a judge has said, hey, your claim is bogus, you need to leave the country. And, and we're not even looking for
1: it. It's astounding. You know, one of the things I I say a lot is if the left didn't have contradictions, they wouldn't have anything. Um, they talk all the time <laughs> yeah. about we have a housing crisis. Well. When you're allowing in between legal and illegal immigration, the equivalent of 10 percent of the population every 10 years, doesn't that affect your your housing crisis?
2: Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, I mean, uh, I'm always asked by congressmen that I take down and they hear these numbers and they see the people come rushing across the border. They'll say, well, where are they going? How are they living? Well, they come in and we, we provide them education. We provide them medicine. Uh, medical care, we provide them phones. They, they can get housing. By the way, in Yuma, you know what? They have spent, they've had to, the Yuma Regional Hospital has had to eat over $20 million because every day, 10 illegal aliens, not brought over by CBP, but 10 illegal aliens will walk into their hospital, go to the emergency room, and they are required under federal law to treat them. And uh, every day they also have four or five people come into the maternity ward. And you know, Sam, that that community of Yuma can't eat that twenty million dollars at the at the medical facility. That hospital doesn't have that. No, they they absolutely and cannot. So you, when they say we have a housing shortage, well, where are these people going? Yeah. Um, and and what are they doing in our in our country?
1: Yeah, I abs- don't know. Absolutely, we have just thirty seconds left. Really appreciate having you on the show, Congressman. Uh, can you give us uh, and folks out there how do they keep up with you and the good work you're doing?
2: Um, they can go to uh, bigs.house.gov, and they can get on any of the social media, they can get my newsletter, uh, they can see our podcasts, uh, they can see the op-eds that I, that I put out and, and we'd love to have them follow, follow me, that'd be great. Thanks Fantastic.
1: That. Congressman Andy Biggs, thank you so much. Breaking Battlegrounds, back in a moment.
0: You deserve a home that's beautiful and stylish. At Overstock, you don't have to choose between low prices and quality. Find new on-trend home goods that reflect your taste and don't compromise on value. You can be proud of your home and design a space where you feel like you, all under budget. Plus, you get free shipping on everything in the continental United States. Overstock is where quality furniture and decor cost less.
1: Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds with your host Sam Stone, Chuck Warren out of Studio today. In studio with me, Jamie Kleshek. She's shaking her head, (laughs) as I have been. I have been shaking my head a lot over the last week since I got to talk to all of you good folks out there. It's been a pretty extraordinary week, and in just a moment, I want to get to Joe Biden's speech, our divider-in-chief, doing his darndest last night. Uh, well, when you're hearing this, it'll be a couple of nights ago. I apologize, folks. We do tape on Friday mornings. Um, So you may be hearing this over the weekend. But I, I am still blown away, Jamie. I am blown away by this speech. And, and because Joe, he's getting a little older. He's having some trouble communicating from time to time. We had to clean up the audio on this speech uh, for clarity. We had to make sure... That people could understand what he was actually saying last night, uh, because it is pretty extraordinary. This is one of those, this is one of those galactic shifting moments mm-hmm. in politics. So let's go ahead and play this clip from Joe Biden's speech to America.
2: In order to ensure the security and
0: continuing stability, the
1: republic,
0: republic will be
1: reorganized.
0: Into the
2: first for and
1: yes, there it is, folks. Joe Biden's speech from last night uh, clarified the audio on that. So I, I thank Jamie for, for that, Jeremy, for their work, because I think folks really do need to understand what we just heard. And that was it. Literally, folks, had Kamala Harris come out in some black robes covered in the blood of younglings, I would not have been surprised. In fact, it would have completed the picture that they were providing for us.
0: It was quite the picture. It was a little heavy handed on the symbolism, I thought. But, you know,
1: who on earth looked at that set, decided they wanted to have some Marine guards behind it? Seriously, we're joking, obviously, folks, that clip. Uh, obviously Star Wars.
0: Is it obvious? I mean, well, it, no, that speech really sounded like that. It's, it's actually
1: not obvious anymore, Jamie. <laughs> Gee, this is, this is where we're at in this country, and I don't even understand how we've gone down this road, because what he did last night was unworthy of anyone who wants to call themselves the president of the United States. It was a travesty. It was an insult to half of America, and I am at the point of having a very hard time believing that they are not deliberately trying to create uh, real strife in this country, real civil war. That seems to be where they're trying to take us. Am I nuts?
0: That is kind of exactly what I was thinking last night. I mean – He's asking for trouble. I think at this point he's begging for it. I think it's the only way he thinks he's going to win this election coming up in November is if something really bad happens worse than January 6th that he can say, look how awful the Republicans are.
1: Well, no, that's absolutely correct. Because, look, Democrats are tried desperately to turn January 6th into something it was not. Yeah. I mean, we've talked on this program. You know, we we were fairly new on the air when that occurred and we talked about it. We were very clear that we believed it was a riot that it was wrong now you had a lot of people who were just kind of literally thought they were on a tour i mean you watch the video and like they're they're strolling around taking photos staying between the the velvet ropes mm-hmm. um and of course then you had some idiots running around doing doing stupid things in there but the fact of the matter is a lot of people kind of were like hey the doors are open let's go in they charged a huge number of people with weapons violations because they had sticks attached to signs and pocket knives. And and look, I'm going to ask you, I'll ask you this question just, you know, in case I'm wrong, if Republicans ever decide to throw an insurrection in this country, are they going to do it with sticks and knives? Uh, No. No. Really? You're sure about that?
0: I'm pretty sure about that. Yeah, we're, me too. We're well too armed for that.
1: No, right. If there's an actual insurrection in this country, 200,000 Republicans throw show up to throw an insurrection.
0: You'll know it.
1: Yeah. There will be <laughs> 200,000 long guns. Actually, that's an undercount. We have way more guns than that.
0: Oh, yeah.
1: I mean, so we're going to go to break here in just about a minute, and we're going to come back with more. I, I have a couple of other things that have happened this week that I just kind of get, get get off my chest and rant a little bit about because – I'm pretty offended at what's been coming out of the White House this week in a lot of ways. And I think if the American people were aware, which a lot of them aren't going to be because the mainstream media is going to do their best to cover up and conceal and do everything else they do except report the news, which they try desperately not to do. Um, But there's a lot of things coming out of this White House right now that, frankly, are offensive and and should have people very concerned about the future of this country. So we're going to be talking some more with Breaking Battlegrounds. Jamie Kleszek against her will in the studio. This is Sam Stone. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Breaking Battlegrounds with your host Sam Stone, Chuck Warren out of studio, in studio with me, Jamie Kleshek. We were talking about Joe Biden's historically awful speech to America. I, 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 like, if you're the White House archivist, now apparently you are probably going to be okay with this because you've assisted in pursuing Donald Trump for taking home his, his coloring books. Um... I mean, no, seriously, like, every president in U.S. history has taken home classified documents. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm not even, I don't even have any question about that. No. Um, and when they, they're like, oh, they're nuclear secrets, they literally just straight made that up.
0: Yeah, that, that came out of nowhere. Like,
1: literally, if I remember right, it was a Washington Post reporter who came up with that, and then they all started parroting it like they do um because they're parakeets these i don't even want to give, call them parrots cuz parrots have more brain cells than this group yes um, i mean
0: they can at least come up with some unique phrases
1: yeah no <laughs> right like a, a parrot a parrot knows more than just 10 words yeah which i don't think modern journalists actually do
0: i have not seen any evidence
1: no <laughs> Talk about an industry that has thrown away all its credibility. Literally, there's a third of the country now that believes or cares anything they say. And then the news media is offended when everyone else is to, like looks at their rants and screams and just goes, "Yeah, shut up.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's what they deserve to get told because that industry has fallen into it. And I, I come from a background. I wanted to be a journalist until I actually interned in a newspaper and realized what a giant mess the industry is. Um, but... Let's talk about some other things here. That speech, obviously, we were talking about in the last segment, pretty extraordinary in its divisiveness. Um, You know, I I think it was I think it was uh, I forget which Washington Post columnist today um, basically said it was cliches spattered with bile which I think is being too kind.
0: That is generous. <laughs>
1: yeah, no, that was really, I. my jaw was on the floor. That was one of the most awful things I have ever sat there and listened to. And when you think about the things that President Trump said and was excoriated for. Oh, yeah. I mean, excoriated for. If the if roles were reversed, if that had been President Trump standing up there at that microphone yesterday looking like pedo Hitler, um, the press would have been on him for, the rest of his life on that speech. They would have have been playing those clips forever.
0: The thing that kills me, though, is if Donald Trump had said something stupid that he got excoriated for, it was usually something he just said off the cuff on his own. Right. This was written by a professional speech writer vetted by how many people.
1: And read off a teleprompter. Like,
0: they genuinely all got together and thought this was a good idea. I don't know how you write that speech. I think you're not the villain.
1: Folks, if you are not on the left, and I don't mean just a Democrat, because there are a lot of sensible democrats out there who are democrats for reasons that frankly no longer exist and I hope they catch up and realize that those reasons no longer exist. But there are a lot of there are a lot of good democrats out there who are just misguided at the moment but maybe by loyalty. Whatever, whatever well, you want to call it. It's
0: not even their fault cuz they just don't know anymore because no one tells them the no. media is not reporting it. It's, no. I get it.
1: Right. So but I'm talking about actual leftists.
0: Oh yeah, like that far
1: yeah under 10%. I'm not calling I don't like to call them progressives. I've kind of tried to stop calling them progressives because progress progress is a good word. We we should embrace progress. But embracing progressivism is embracing hatred. It's embracing racism. It's embracing terrible r- theories of of the economy that are r- r- responsible right now for the inflation that is tearing up your pocketbook, that is making it impossible for people to afford both groceries and gas at the same time, they they are pursuing an agenda that is hateful to America and hateful to our population. So I don't like to call them progressives. Now, I want to talk about something else, because Corinne Jean-Pierre, she had a week.
0: She sure did, man. She knocked it out of the park.
1: (laughs) Well, if by knocked it out of the park, you mean lied On every single word that came out of her mouth, yes, that was a grand slam.
0: I think that's the criteria they're using these days, so yeah.
1: Okay, yeah, no, fair. (laughs) It, It does appear to be that because this woman literally came out and said that Joe Biden was fighting to keep schools open while Republicans were fighting to close them. Now, the job of the White House press secretary is to spin. That is not spin. No. That is a lie. That is the exact opposite of any truth. The CDC, the institutions that were helping keep us closed, actually recommended that schools reopen Mm -hmm. in person until the teachers union sent them an email and said, we don't want this. Mm -hmm. And then Joe Biden and the powers that be went along with the teachers union with no scientific backing whatsoever And kept schools closed in much of the country for another year. They did that. And now they are straight up lying about it. And the press is going along with it. I do not see NBC, CBS, ABC, CNN. I mean, where is, where are the people calling them out?
0: They don't exist. No one's doing it.
1: No. it It is absolutely insane to me. And I'm not willing to let them off the hook for this, Jamie. Because they threw away 20 years of gains Mm -hmm. for minorities across this country, academic gains. They threw it away. You have Miro Bowser, the black mayor of Washington, D.C., saying right now that if kids are not fully vaccinated, which is like 40, I think of the numbers, 40 percent or 60 percent of African-American kids in Washington are not fully vaccinated.
0: That's probably about right.
1: They will not be allowed back to school at all. There will be no remote option, period, no nothing. Now, they've started to back up on this because the the pushback started to even come from the left. People were a little crazy. But the vaccine they're pushing on them is now three or four generations of the disease old. They know it doesn't work. They know it's totally ineffective.
0: Yeah, right? You might as well get the swine flu shot this year to protect against whatever the strain is going to be. I mean, it, it, it yeah, I think I
1: think I think there was a vaccine for H1N1, that, you know, from like 15 years ago or whatever. Wow. Why don't you just take that? It's
0: pretty much. I mean, it's probably better for you at this point. I don't know.
1: It's, it's almost certainly safer. <laughs> I mean, that, that's the thing. These vaccines have real side effects. We are seeing the numbers. There are significant issues with them. These are not safe vaccines. That is that is just a fact at this point. You are at more risk from the vaccine than you are from COVID. COVID now is a bad cold.
0: Oh, yeah. These days? Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, obviously, if you've got significant health issues, that's another story. But well, for but, the most, most of us...
1: But but the fact of the bad. matter is, if you have significant health issues and you get a cold or the flu... Yeah,
0: it's the same it, story. It's the same
1: story. Yeah. So this is a bad cold. And they're pushing a vaccine for Omicron. They just approved a vaccine for Omicron. Folks, Omicron was last year. Yeah we're on to, i don't even know what the designator is for this year's one it's like x21 or something i don't know they're they're getting to the point you, you need the x men to keep track of all the variants all the mutations i don't know do we do we what was what was the what was the, what was the uh, organization they were trying to create to track all the mutants that's what you need now Um,
0: I'm not that kind of nerd. I I do the Star Wars stuff. I don't know anything about X-Men. Sorry.
1: Okay, I don't know enough, obviously, (laughs) but I know there was. So, you know,
0: Jackman's in that, right?
1: The good ones. (laughs) I mean, there's some without him and those are terrible.
0: Okay, I'll keep that in mind.
1: Yeah, no, if if Hugh Jackman's not in your X-Men movie, you just need to move on and watch something else. But I mean, no, this is this is gas. I mean, it's not even gaslighting. They are just straight up lying to people. And look, I think Democrats, I actually credit them for where they were about a decade ago on some issues like for instance understanding that big banks and big business were not great for america oh yeah i credit them with understanding at that time that the fda the cdc nih were and are wholly owned subsidiaries of pfizer incorporated Mm -hmm. um you know obviously big pharma as a whole but i mean
0: It's how the entire federal government works. The regulators are run by the people they're regulating. By
1: the giant corporations they're regulating. Now, who doesn't get a seat at that table are the little upstart companies that might disrupt it, might lower costs, might create new innovations. They don't get a seat at the table because they're competing with the big boys who own the regulators, who then conspire together to keep the little guys from succeeding. Mm -hmm. At least until the big boys can buy them out and steal their technology. Sure. So, in that vein, let's talk about another thing that happened this week. We saw, I have to, at this point, I don't know whether to call him like the evil jack-in-the-box at the carnival. Or if Dr. Fauci is simply, he's like an an amoeba. You keep killing him and he divides and then he keeps popping up. Mm -hmm. I mean... I think Ron DeSantis was exactly right when he said someone needs to grab the little elf by the scruff of his neck and throw him <laughs> across the Potomac. Uh, for, for folks out there, I don't even call him Dr. Fauci unless I'm on the air and I can't use the actual words I generally use to refer to him, which start with the first letter of his last name and end with up.
0: That'll be for the podcast segment, so check us out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts.
1: Oh, good, good throw-in right Thank there. Thank you. I yeah, thought that nice. was smooth. No, that was very smooth. <laughs> um, you know, but but this stuff is... Is really important. And we cannot allow this stuff to continue to be tied up in the lies of the left and their media uh, dogs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And they are dogs at this point. They're, they're just oh. yeah. they're running around the feet of their masters begging for scraps. Mm-hmm. It is it is absolutely insane. But you, you and I have seen this because we both worked inside the city of Phoenix. And, and I believe in the deep state. I believe it does exist. But I believe you could very more simply call it the bureaucracy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, there are layers and layers of people that at best don't want to do anything and at worst are actively trying to stop you.
1: And it's at every level. I mean, it starts with the federal government, but then it goes to the state governments, to your counties, to your cities, all the way down to your school boards and, your mm. you know, the most local forms of government you have. One of the things that you see when you're working inside of it is that, quite frankly, a third of the people do 80, 90% of the work. That the primary purpose of the deep state bureaucracy, whatever you want to call it, is to replicate itself, not to serve the public. Right. Every federal program that gets created, not only do they create federal administrators for it, but then you have state administrators for that same program. You'll have municipal administrators for that same program, on and on, Mm -hmm. until a significant portion of whatever monies were set aside to benefit the public are taken by the professional political insiders and the government workers Mm
0: -hmm.
1: at every single level. I'm not sure how we clean that out, but to me, if we're going to make America work again, that's where we've got to start. We have got to clean it out. I think you could go in, the next Republican president could go in and order every single department to fire half. Layoffs, fire, retire in place, whatever it is, get rid of half of the people Mm -hmm. that are currently drawing government salaries and nobody would notice the difference. Except that we would have a lot more money to spend on things they would notice.
0: Well, but see, when we do that sort of thing, they always go out of their way to make sure that they shut down the things that the public does care about. The libraries will be first because that's something you're going to see. It was like when um, they shut down the government under Obama and he puts the fencing up around all the monuments in D.C. Those require no upkeep for three days. It's fine. You can have those open, I promise. But no, no, no. We want to make sure that the public feels the pain. Because otherwise well, they'd never notice. They and, really wouldn't.
1: And, and that's actually where I, I blame Republicans for having gotten weak on those things oh, no, every time. Pathetic.
0: We rolled right over. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, there's a lot of tough talk in 2010 and then we elected them and they rolled over. Yeah. There's a lot of tough talk in 2012. We elected them. They rolled over. And, and it's just kept going. I like right? to
0: think that we're finally electing some that won't. But that remains to be
1: seen. Oh, well, I, I actually do believe we are. I just believe that at the federal level, the barriers to effective change are so high and so daunting and so few of the people that we're electing really understand the mechanisms of government and how it works. Even the ones who are most righteously intentioned do not understand that. That I think that is a big issue that is holding us back. Mm-hmm. That If you understand the bureaucracy that you're dealing with, I think we would be much more effective in tearing it up, tearing it up and replacing it with something that works. Now, folks, we've got just one minute before we go to break here again. Or Sorry, we're coming to the end of this program. And thank you for tuning in. We very much appreciate it. Please do remember to follow us. It's at Breaking underscore Battle on Twitter. uh, And download on Apple, Spotify, Substack. Everywhere you find podcasts, you can find Breaking Battlegrounds. Uh, But do also stay tuned and download and catch our podcast only segment. Because I've got more ranting to do. And I know I, I'm a polite ranter. I'm not a microphone screamer for the most part. But this has been an extraordinary week. And I'll hope you tune in because we have more to talk about Breaking Battlegrounds. We'll be back on the air next week. Welcome to the podcast only segment of Breaking Battlegrounds. That welcome was probably way too loud in your ears. If you're wearing this on microphones, I apologize, or headphones, I apologize. I'll we'll
0: fix that in post.
1: I was excited. <laughs> I was excited because I want to talk about ivermectin.
0: Oh, goodness.
1: <laughs> I actually don't want to talk about ivermectin. But I would I do. like
0: to stop talking about ivermectin, but How about here about just, we are. <laughs> here we
1: are. Interestingly enough, ivermectin this week. Listed on the NIH, National Institute of Health, that's Dr. Fuckup. Yeah, if you were tuned in, that's what I call him. Um, I call him Dr. Fuckup. Uh, Fauci, that's his institution. The NIH today listing ivermectin mm-hmm. as a treatment for COVID.
0: Quietly. No announcement.
1: No yeah, announcement. Just, it just list it on the website and hope no one notices. Yep. Oops.
0: But hey, if you were trying to use that a year ago, you were a conspiracy theorist and probably going to kill someone.
1: Yeah. No. I mean, you know, fish fish tank cleaner. Oh, my goodness. Right. Yeah. Uh,
0: Didn't happen.
1: No. I mean, you know, look. (laughs) the
0: the one woman who actually tried to use fish tank cleaner. It wasn't because Donald Trump told her to. It was because she was trying to murder her husband.
1: And I don't know her husband, so I can't speak to whether or not that was justified.
0: I don't know. It might have been. But,
1: but you know what?
0: It certainly had nothing to do with
1: Trump. Yeah, it certainly should not have been a knock on Trump or ivermectin. Ivermectin, HCQ are valid treatments for COVID. Now the national authorities are admitting that, as world health authorities have actually admitted for some time. But I want to go to something else. We're joking about this, folks, but this is not a joking or laughing matter because the fact is that hundreds and thousands of people died who did not need to. Because they were not told that there were and are effective treatments for COVID. Mm -hmm. A lot of those treatments are essentially the same you would take with a bad cold or flu that turned into uh, a bronchial infection. So, And that is how most people end up dying from, from colds or flus. And we know how to treat those things. Pneumonia is something we have known how to treat for a long time. And when people die of COVID, mostly what they're actually dying from is pneumonia. Yeah. Right? Now, I have had COVID three times. Three times. The first time it was a three day cold, it was not it was a bad cold. It wasn't the, the worst cold I've ever had. I got lucky. Some people had it worse, some people didn't have it at all. Or or had symptoms so mild they didn't even notice it. I had it twice more. The second time I had the sniffles. The third time my girlfriend got it and forced me to go get tested. And I tested positive for something I had no idea I had. <laughs> um, but, but the first time, to go back to it, I did the exact same things that I would do for any other cold. I used emergency. I used a pseudoephedrine-based decongestant to keep my nose clear. I took zinc to keep it from infecting my upper respiratory tract or from you know building up in my upper respiratory tract. Vitamin C water. Really basic stuff. I didn't even go the HCQ ivermectin route cuz I never needed to. I also keep by the way folks, and this is not a bad idea, ask your doctor they'll prescribe this it's not controlled, get an albuterol inhaler. If you ever start to have trouble breathing when you're sick, you can use that. It will help. At least buy you some time to get to real medical care. Now I'm not I'm not a doctor, so you don't, you know, don't take my advice for this, but go look for frontline doctors of America. Go look them up. If you or a family member get COVID now and your hospital your doctor is still saying there's nothing you can do, find someone else and do it immediately. Do not wait. Start treating it right away and go get with these doctors. These are some of the best doctors in the country. These are not quacks. These are people who are leading major institutions and who were widely respected in the profession until they had the temerity to come out and say that there were ways to treat COVID when the goal of COVID was not to be treated and the goal was not to address COVID as an issue, but to use it as a weapon against Donald Trump to get him out of office. That's what it was. Yeah. That, that is what we have been through two years, two plus years, three years now of restrictions, lockdowns, these stupid cloth and paper masks. I mean, this stuff is insanity and none of it was helpful and none of it worked. And they continue to push these things. Fauci still saying, oh, if everyone doesn't rush out and get revaccinated with the Omicron variant vaccine that doesn't work because Omicron is long gone, that somehow we will have another like nuclear winner out of this thing. These people are nuts. Or they're evil, or they're bought and paid for, or all three. And kind of I assume the latter. I assume it's all of it. They're bought and paid for, they don't care about people, and they're insane.
0: That pretty much sums it up, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think I did too badly with that description. <laughs> you know, here's the thing. We used to be able to rely on our government to tell us the truth. Not always.
0: Maybe not the whole truth. But not the
1: whole truth.
0: Some of it, anyway. I mean,
1: you know, there were certain aspects of the Vietnam War they weren't exactly being yeah. forthcoming about. There's been a few other conflicts here and there that maybe we didn't have the whole story about. There's been some things our government has done from time to time that were just flat shady or evil.
0: Yeah. And they're
1: not great at admitting those things.
0: The funny thing is a lot of that was from health issues.
1: It does <laughs> seem to have a lot of connection, doesn't it? Yeah. But now but those. now you you saw that speech and and we, you know, we joked about it a little bit and we've talked about it. But the end game for them is in sight. And the end game is a totalitarian one-party state it looks a lot quite frankly like china
0: yeah uh, not a not an ounce of a joke here i genuinely was waiting for him to announce some horrible sweeping reform to round up all the republicans and lock us up or, or take well, and, the rights away or and something and that does
1: not that does not seem far-fetched jamie because you have 87,000 new armed irs right. agents
0: I mean, he certainly has the power. He doesn't have the authority, but he does have the means if he wanted to employ it. I really was waiting for something bad to be announced, and it ended up being, thankfully, nothing. But
1: Well, it was a campaign speech.
0: Now it's nothing.
1: It was a campaign speech, but I, I believe it was one that set the stage for their agenda. I think so. And their agenda is total top-down control of Americans. Yeah. So, for example, folks. We just had a situation in Denver, Colorado, you may not have heard of, where over 20,000 people came home in the middle of the worst heat wave in Colorado summer and went to adjust their thermostats and found out they couldn't do it. They could not adjust the thermostat in their own home because they signed up for a program with Excel Energy that installed smart thermostats that allows the energy company to control their thermostat. So you, you're no longer even allowed to set the temperature in your own home if Democrats have their way.
0: My apartment tried to install that kind of stuff a few years ago, and I pitched a fit. I was like, no, I am not going to have this. This is not what I signed up for when I signed this lease. Absolutely not. And boy, am I really glad that I wasn't crazy because that's terrifying.
1: Well, you are. You are. And you should be glad because one of the things that a lot of people don't know, California obviously has not built a functioning power plant. I oh, mean they they no. build solar
0: Yeah, but that but no
1: <laughs> that doesn't actually work on a grid scale. It's a disaster.
0: It's a great way to pick up some government subsidies.
1: It, so they end up with rolling blackouts. Yeah. I mean, this is third world country stuff right here. This is yeah. not America.
0: In in California on its own is one of the largest GDPs in the world. Right. And this is how they're living.
1: Right, like, it, which well, is insane. Why
0: are you settling for this? Why do you accept this if you're in California? Why do you keep re-electing these people so, but, that but make what you m- live like what this? What
1: most people may not know, and, and folks, if you're listening in the other states and you think this is, well, this is about Arizona, this isn't about us, um, folks, uh, this is coming everywhere. Yeah,
0: this this is, is coming everywhere. This is a couple years out from Arizona if we're um, not careful. Well, it's
1: not even maybe a couple of years <laughs> out, Jamie, because we got forced by the feds into an agreement to provide power to California. Uh. Our power plants here in Arizona have to supply about 30% of California's energy needs.
0: I'm real tired of picking up the bill for their mishandling of everything. Yes. Really tired of it.
1: Yes. Now, California announces on, I think, the 24th, August 24th, they announce that in 2035, you will no longer be able to buy a gasoline-powered car or diesel-powered truck in the state of California. On August 30th, that you have to buy all electric. On August 30th, they send out a notice to Californians not to charge their electric cars because they're going to overwhelm the grid. Now, I have a bunch of California friends who are on my Facebook feed and the like, and I post about this, and they all start responding, Well, that's 12 years from now. That's 12 years from now. Do you know how long it takes to build anything in California?
0: I was just going to say, even without the regulatory nonsense that they they do, a power plant doesn't just spring up overnight.
1: No, it takes years.
0: And they're going to need more than one.
1: Yeah, they're going to need a lot. (laughs) They're going to need a lot.
0: Honestly, though, and maybe I'm just being paranoid and, and a conspiracy theorist here, but I kind of think this is intentional. Like, they want to be able to tell people you can't drive at all.
1: Well, that's absolutely what so they want. to force people want.
0: into these electric cars and then say you can't actually charge them, so sorry, right. you're SOL. I, I don't like this, that's for sure. But
1: Oh, no, look, this is insanity. If you want to have an electric car, if you want to drive a Tesla, go have at it, have fun. But sure. A, don't ask me to pay for it because I'm sick of that. Yeah. Um, and we subsidize every one of those. And they're um, some
0: of the worst drivers, too. They drive me crazy.
1: <laughs> how did we take the world's fastest cars and end up with a bunch of Volvo drivers behind the wheel?
0: Well, we said it was green.
1: Boy, that was a mistake. It was. We should have just said it was a race car and left it at that.
0: That would have been fun. Hey, at least the Subaru drivers didn't pick it up. Well. Yet.
1: I was about to say, Jamie. Jeez, let's not go there. We're we're gonna end up. It's bad enough. It's bad enough that I have to put up with the Prius and Volvo drivers who are now driving hundred thousand dollar Teslas, five miles an hour below the limit in the fast lane. Mm-hmm. That's annoying enough. If Subaru drivers make the crossover, this may be war. We're done. Yeah. No. Like I honestly, at that point, I'm outfitting my car like Mad Max.
0: I can't quite picture that with those little sports cars you like to drive, but maybe this one currently, your SUV, I could see.
1: Well, I don't know. Sports cars have big engines. I can I can strap some stuff on those. I think. Okay. Yeah. No, I can. <laughs> I'm fairly sure. That folks, this is the this is the dystopian vision of the future that the Democratic Party is trying to bring to America, where we, our roads are like something out of Mad Max, our energy policy is something out of Latin America, and our freedoms look a lot like China. Boy, what a vision of the future they have. And if I haven't depressed the heck out of you yet, well, tune in next week. We'll be back with more.
2: The political field is all about
0: reputation, so don't let someone squash yours online. Secure your name and political future with a yourname.vote web address from GoDaddy.com. Your political career depends on it.